going on, girl? Hey, Prina, nothing much. Oh, hey, y'all. How y'all doing? How y'all week, man? Pretty good. good. Yeah. So y'all ready to uh, get into this topic today? I'm so ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Y'all, y'all been busy. Y'all been living life. Oh, yes. you been busy, I um, think. I know I have. I've been busy, but I ain't going to lie, like, catching up with all this controversy in the media, online, it is really affecting me emotionally. I mean, oh, yeah. y'all seen that Michael Jackson stuff? I I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. And then I went and saw some like uh interviews. It's just this guy. I'm gonna have to tell you guys his name later, but he's on YouTube and he basically broke down like all the reasons why um what they're saying isn't true. And oh. it's like court documents it's just like a whole bunch of stuff. And oh, I was wow. just like I didn't even watch all of that. I was just like, I just don't wanna like when a person is not here to defend themselves, this is like the same thing with the R. Kelly and Aaliyah. Like, leave her fucking name out of it. They're not mm-hmm. here to defend themselves. It's a it's a dead topic for me. Yeah, I mean, I ain't gonna front when I I was scared to watch the documentary. I watched the first part. I it took me a while to process to be able to watch the second part. But I'm gonna say. Um, I don't care what nobody say. If you say I drank the Kool-Aid, that goddamn it, I drank the Kool-Aid because I believe something happened. I said sometimes you got to drink the Kool-Aid. Sorry. So I, I, I'm convinced that something happened. And like I said, the same thing with the R. Kelly stuff. It's like, you know, can't everybody can't be lying on you. There got to be some tinge of truth to that, right? And not to say that people don't have motivation for money and all that other stuff, but... You know, it just goes to show, like, um, you know, if your daddy, your uncle can can sexually molest you, wh- who's to say that Michael Jackson isn't capable of doing that to somebody's child? <laughs> but then there, then we had them R. Kelly interviews that really threw me for a loop, too. Oh, wow. Well, speaking of R. Kelly, let's, let's get to this really quickly. So let's get to our topic, which perfectly ties into the R. Kelly situation. So tonight's topic is daddy's little girl and how you can be a daddy's girl and still make terrible mistakes in your love life, okay? And I say that this ties into R. Kelly because I think the little girl's name is Asriel, and um, she clearly has a mom and a dad who have always been involved in her life, and R. Kelly has totally brainwashed her. So we see these memes on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook always talking about, you know, women have daddy issues and that's why they are unsuccessful in relationships, like they didn't grow up with their father. Um, I've seen all kinds of things. And I am, let me tell you, a witness, the first person in the church pew, do you hear me, who can say (laughs) that I am a daddy's girl. And when I say that, like, I'm a daddy's girl, like, if I ask my daddy to cook me something to eat or make my lunch, make my call, anything, anything that I ask my dad to do to this day, if he can do it, he's going to do it. If he can't do it, he's going to figure out a way. So it's kind of like, um, how do I want to put this? This is something that I say often. I tell my daddy this, actually, that daughters pay for the sins of their fathers. 
And I honestly feel like that because I have been in a few relationships where I was cheated on. And I know that they were cheated. Like, I knew this without them even telling me. But, you know, you want to ask, thinking that somebody's going to try to tell you the truth just to save themselves. But, you know, they're not going to tell you the truth because they know how it's going to make you feel. But they do it anyway. And you sit your uh, pretty stupid ass there knowing that he's cheating on you and is going to keep doing it because what are you doing about it? You know what I mean? Just walking over you. What do you think about that, Prada? Oh, you know, so, of course, my parents divorced when I was, like, 10 years old, but I also still went in between, you know, from my father's house to my mother's house. Um, Even though both of them got remarried, I still um, was always in my daddy's face. So my daddy's still involved in my life. When it came to certain situations um, with men, my issue has always been that whole thought process of, well, I'm different, or it's not going to happen to me, or, like, it's those other people that this stuff happened to, not me. So I've, I've given the dude the chance to, you know, borrow my car. I've given the dude the chance to... Um, you know, let me pay something for him or pay a bill for him because he needed it. Or, um, you know, go <laughs> see his baby mama while she was having a, a baby or something. Like, I've been in those situations where I just been like, oh, it's cool. Let me be the cool girl. You know, it's different for me. You know, it's not the same with me. And it's always end up being exactly the same. Like, every time. Like, no. If a guy is wants to see your car... He is going to another female house. Don't you're not different, boo boo. You just not. And don't be naive to think that that's not what's gonna happen. And yes, dating older men, don't think that you're different. Cause I dated a 27 year old when I was 16, and I dated a 24 year old when I was 17. And both times, I thought I'm different. It ain't the same for me. And even though I had my father in my life. I still dated these older men thinking I still had my own mindset. But the fact is, when I look back at it now, like I really did not have a mind of my own and I really was being controlled by these older men. And Mm -hmm. I think it's it's something that really, really shaped how I am today. So um, those are the things that I learned, even though I knew, knew better. And even though my father was in my life and my daddy taught me better, I've always known yourself first. Like, when you're doing your thing and you out here living, at the end of the day, you're still going to do what you want to do at the end of the day because everybody needs to learn their own lessons. April, I know you didn't have some similar situations, so, you know, tell us a situation that happened uh, with you like that. My experience has been different because I know who my dad is, but we don't really have, like, a particular closeness. My dad has, for the most part, always been emotionally unavailable. He is just not like a guy that was emotionally available to me. He's not somebody I will call for advice or even ask to borrow money, but he'll make sure he's there, like, you know, birthday parties or graduation, you know, just to show face. So my relationship is kind of like pretty much like 
<laughs> he that nigga over there, like, oh, that's my dad, but we don't really have, like, a, a closeness, right, like a real relationship. Like, I can't talk to him like I talk to my mom. I'm not as comfortable sharing things with him like I can share with my mother. And, you know, I used to be very hurt by that when I was younger, especially when I started having my own kids and, you know, seeing their relationship with their father. I just was like, okay, whatever. Like, the door will always be open, but I'm not going to, like, chase after a nigga that really ain't chasing after me. With that being said, my mother and my father were never married. They started having kids when they were teenagers, and my mother was 21 or 20 when she had me. Um, so my mom had three kids at 20, and my dad, he was young, so he did a lot of dumb shit. So it's a lot of resentment. Now, I remember being as young as my daughter, and having this idea or this image, you know, like what I see on TV, what my dad was. So, like, if my mother made me upset, I would be like, oh, I'm telling my dad. And she was like, okay, yeah, right, whatever. So, growing up and getting into relationships is just that I kind of was winging it, really just going off, like, the advice of my friends, the ignorant advice of my mother. Because my mother was married, but she's been estranged for her husband for a very, very long time. And she never won really at love. So, really just trying to figure it my own way and falling short with that. Now, when it comes to doing silly or dumb stuff in the name of love, I've been there too, Deprina, for a long time. I was scared to, like, speak my mind. I said often on this podcast that I was in a, um, a relationship with my kid's dad for eight years. So when he met me, I was 19. When we broke up, I was 28. And he would say a lot towards the end, like, you're not the same person, you know. That's only because when he met me, I was 19. I was trying to do whatever I thought he wanted to make him like me or, you know, be in to me but by the time we ended we had two kids I was grown and I wasn't gonna take the same shit that he was giving me when he first met me so there was a lot of times where it was like he would say things to me that would bother me but I would just kind of suck it up I think something silly that I did was he would make comments about like how I dress he would say I dress like a white girl and that was back in the early 2000s and he was like well why you don't wear no rock aware or no no baby fat or none of that and I remember going to Marshall's or something and trying to buy these clothes that I thought he wanted me to wear, right? Just so that I can impress. To me, that's some dumb shit, but that's the kind of shit that I would do with my young mind. My dad didn't teach me anything about men. I just kind of had to figure shit out on my own, fail and trial and fail, and I'm still learning. When I listen to you guys, I don't really think that it's a lot of what our dads show us. I think sometimes it could be what we model from seeing our mothers, right, and how they behave with men. Is there anything that you may Maybe learn from your mother by how your mother treated your father that you try to adopt or learn from? Oh my God. My mother and I get into it to this day. She is a person that lacks accountability for anything <laughs> that she says and does. And I feel like you guys have a good understanding of my personality and I don't go for that and I don't care who you are. My mother moved to Vegas when I was 17, right? And so she just moved, her and her husband just moved back here two years ago. So a lot of what, how she's used to behaving, I am not accustomed to because I haven't had to really deal with her in that capacity. So when she says and does things, I call her out on it. But I noticed, I always thought it was just me. Like, you know, something that she was just doing to me. And then I realized, you know, this is how she is. And how she treats men, how she talks to and about men, like, is negatively. And I don't know, of course, I don't know everything that goes on within anybody's household or relationship. But she 
takes things above and beyond, like to the absolute extreme within her marriage. She be and doing the most. She be doing the most a throw. And then when somebody has a reaction to her, she is the victim. She's going to kill me if she listens to this. But anyway. <laughs> it's all set with love, Mom. <laughs> it is all said with love, Mom, and nothing that I'm saying is in anything that I haven't told you personally. I had to learn being, you know, demanding things to be your way is not the correct way. I was able to view some of my friends' parents' relationships, just basically see how their mother interacted with their father. Just because you don't address something right away at that moment, and in a negative way doesn't mean it does not get addressed. It doesn't mean that you are weak because you don't pop off. What does Cardi B say? Uh, I'll pop on your pops. I'll pop on whoever. That's what she says. (laughs) And money. I'll pop on whoever. You can't be that way in a functional relationship. And so what I have discovered is that people are so, when I say people, I mean women in particular, we see dysfunctional relationships. Like my parents, relationship was dysfunctional and my parents were never married either um april and so a lot of things could have been avoided then those same things are happening like within my mom's current relationship like just chill out you know you don't have to you don't have to have the last word you don't have to take everything to the extreme and i had to learn that like in within relationships because i'm thinking this is normal This is just how people, this is just how women are, and men are supposed to just deal with it. And then I had to take a step back. Well, how has that helped? How has that helped her? How has that helped me? Where did she get this from? How did this help her mom? You know, so it's just a clusterfuck, really, of seeing dysfunctional relationships and thinking that is the way that things are supposed to be. Or just like saying boys will be boys, men will be men. It's okay if the man cheats on you. Men are going to do that. No, fuck that. Oh, hell no. No, you're not going to do that to me. Because you guys have closer relationships with both of your fathers. So was there ever a time that either one of you seen your dad do something or his interactions with, like, maybe his own relationships with women that you seen your dad not as your father, but maybe, oh, my God, my dad is, like, just an, another man? Yeah. So this is so funny, April. This was recent. So my daddy was dating this girl, this young girl. And I was like, she has daddy issues. And you have problems. Like, why do you want to date this kid, right? I'm totally flipping out. I don't have to be respectful. She needs to respect me. I was really (laughs) tripping. And then I was like, you know what? I had to realize that my daddy, I was like, that you're just a man. Like, old men like young girls. This is nothing new. Now, it wasn't no R. Kelly shit. She wasn't no 17-year-old. She, I just didn't (laughs) think it was age appropriate. But he has told me many of stories about him in his younger days you know, with all these girlfriends. And for example, my mom was his girlfriend, or so she thought, and he had a whole nother girlfriend, and my mother is the one who got pregnant. So you Mm -hmm. see what I'm saying when I say the daughter Mm -hmm. pays for the sins of the father? That's deep. (laughs) You need a drink on that, right? Right. (laughs) What about you, Deprina? Has there been something that your dad has did that made you look at him differently? Um, you know... When I think about it, so my parents were married. Like, any idea that a child could have of what marriage and a mom and dad in the house was, I had that. And it was when I was 11, I found out that my father was a woman abuser. He had hit my mother. And that he also cheated on my mother with a whole other woman. I also realized that we spent a lot of time outside of the house. Every time it was summertime, 
My mama used to take me and my little sister to Bell Isle. I say three or four times a week, more mm -hmm. than a normal. And I, my daddy was never with us on those trips, like never. It was always me, my little sister Gaia, and my mama. And my mama would take us to Bell Isle, and she would, you know, lay down on the blanket, and me and Gaia would just play, play dolls and play, and we would get some food from like one of the. Coney Islands or from KFC, we would literally be at Bell Isle all day. It was those moments after the divorce where I just was like, how can somebody divorce their wife but also divorce their kids? Because that's mm. what it felt like. It felt like he divorced the kids too. Literally got with a whole nother woman, was embracing her kids. And the only reason why we had went to go live with my daddy after they got a divorce was because my mama dropped us off over there. No question that. No, you take them now. When I was living, we was living with them, he also beat my stepmama ass because she said mm. something about, because she said something about her kids. So that right there alone was just like, you see these Lifetime movies and you mm -hmm. see these these people with people in abusive relationships and, and you know when people take it lightly i really witnessed that shit throughout my life and mm. just to just to look back like even i'm thinking about it now just to look back at something like that you know even though my daddy had a lot of good advice for me as a, a as a, a girl female woman growing up he didn't even have a daddy example for the point that you thought it was okay to put your your hands on any woman. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, good, faithful women. Like, why are you putting your hands on anybody? And it's always mm -hmm. been that scene where it made you seem like, yeah, I take the stuff you say with a grain of salt. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you're not even a, 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 a you know, a, a perfect man or a good man or whatever in my views. You know what I'm saying? There's this certain mentality that females get when they have kids, right? You get this idea on certain females where you, you get that mother that mothering feeling where you're going to do anything and everything for your kids. You know you got to work for your kids. You know you got to take care of your kids, right? No matter mm -hmm. what anybody say. But I think there should also be a thing that ding, ding, goes off into a man's head when they have a kid that says, I need to do anything and everything for my kid, even if it's working nine to five jobs that I don't want. You know, even if it's working two or three jobs that I don't want. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think that part of the ding, ding, I don't think that part really got off in my daddy's head. You know, and it's kind of like something that's repeating. You know, and yeah. it's like, it's, it's those things that I've always known, always noticed, and always peeped throughout my life, which made me make a decision of the type of husband and the type of person I want to be married to. It was just those moments that I always think about. Like, yes, my daddy has some good advice for me over the years, but I can really see, now that I look at it now, why at the end of the day I really ain't looking to that and still do what I want to do. But with that same token, those are the best people to actually give advice because they know all of the things that they have done. And regardless of, you know, them being wrong doing those things, they never want anybody to do that to you. Let's get right into Girl Code. So you guys are seeing these two women that are 
supposedly in a relationship, proudly in a relationship with R. Kelly. Now, both of them is still young, like early 20s, 21, 22. Um, no, girl, they're in a relationship with Robert. Uh, yes, oh, my bad. Yes, they're in a relationship not, not with Kelly. Robert, you know, Mr. <laughs> Robert Kelly. Uh, exactly. You're right. That's how they said it, though. Girl. They tried to, they was trying to act like they was mature, like yes. they had it going on, like they knew exactly what to say and everything. We're going to talk a little bit about the relationship these women not only had with Robert Kelly, but both of them also still having their, you know, fathers or mothers in their life. And we're just going to talk a little bit about this whole R. Kelly scandal. But yeah. let me just say this. Can we just give it up for Miss? Gail King, a.k.a. Oprah Rumpy's best friend, because the interviews that she done, I was like key and cued in like all the way. Um, Those two young ladies, little did they know, they they make great sound bites for good TV. (laughs) (laughs) How about, I was just impressed by Gail being so calm. I could only pray to have that type of resilience, okay? She's like, Robert, keep jumping up. Robert, Robert, can you believe that? Yeah, would you How stand up though with R. Kelly? Would you go toe-to-toe with his ass? Yeah, because I got security on deck. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But um, Azriel, which was the girl wearing the black suit, she's the one that had, I think actually both of them had their mother and father, but anyway, uh, Azriel's mother and father had done a lot of interviews about them on a search for their daughter, saying that she's brainwashed and R. Kelly's keeping her away from everyone. She's a perfect example of having a father and still letting a grown man, you know, fill you this pipe dream. And listening to the interview, she sounds just like R. Kelly. To me, in my mind, it was very clear that this whole thing was rehearsed before they actually got in front of Gail. And I think those those tears that she produced were real tears, but she was just crying for the wrong reason. Yeah, according to research, because I ain't going to lie, when this whole junk hit with this surviving R. Kelly. I don't know if y'all was like me, but I was on the internet very late at night watching video after video. <laughs> and according to what I had heard was like, Azriel was the closest to him. Like she's the number one. She's the one that goes to bed with him every night. When you watch the surviving R. Kelly documentary and the parents are talking about their daughter and they're showing all these pictures of her when she was like 16 and 17 and singing and stuff I mean in my mind I had an idea of like this like innocent kind of like sweet girl that kind of got taken advantage of right but then you get her in front of that camera and she's like a pit bull in a skirt <laughs> you know what I mean like it just was totally different basically but you know it's like she really goes hard for him and I guess what, you know, from what I learned as as far as, like, a lot of the things that I've watched and heard about it is that, and this is all alleged, but, like, they always are trying to compete for his affection, right? So everybody, you know, he kind of pits the girls against each other, you know what I mean, where they're trying to kind of win his affection more. And I can see this being a way of her defending him to kind of win his affection, what did you think about the interview, Sabrina? So there was this part in, in the interview. They're both claiming that neither one of them ever wanted to sing, okay? And neither neither one of them ever was trying to get a singing career. And this whole thing with even knowing R. Kelly or meeting R. Kelly, they made it seem like it just kind of happened. 
So if you wasn't trying to sing, how did you even get in R. Kelly's face? Mm-hmm. I find exactly. it hard to believe. I find it hard to believe anything they say because it's like they're bringing up old allegations and bringing them to R. Kelly now. But it's 2019. These females are 21, 19, or 21, 22. We've been hearing about this stuff about R. Kelly since he was the pod pipe, okay? And this was <laughs> way before these girls was even teenagers, okay? Yes. So this is not no old stuff. This is just a few years ago. This was when R. Kelly didn't even have an album out. They were going to R. Kelly's concert. So don't try to sit up in line and say you wasn't trying to have a singing career. I feel like they're saying that they was really just groupies. And the groupies who, who, who dreams came true. Because if y'all wasn't trying to sing, that means y'all just went to the concert to try to get behind stage and then end up getting chosen by the pie pipe. Like, <laughs> right. how other, what other reason why y'all would y'all be in R. Kelly's face? Like, you mean to tell me that you're a 17-year-old girl, 18-year-old girl, and you're like, my goal is to get with R. Kelly and share him with another female. And then in the interview, she's asking them, okay, what do y'all want to do with y'all life since y'all sitting up here claiming that y'all ain't trying to have a thing career? Oh, I find we, what we're doing right now, which is nothing. We know <laughs> that R. Kelly is going to take care of, Robert Kelly is going to take care of us regardless. And not once did they even say what they do. So that makes me feel like what they are doing or what they feel they're quote-unquote getting compensated for is being this double girlfriend, being there, taking up to him, you know, help deny all the stuff. You get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that, that's what they think that they're doing. That's what their job is. And I feel like we we going to hear from them in about 10 years where they really reveal the truth. And it's going to take them yeah. 10 years of a whole bunch of dumb shit before they even keep it real. Which, like it always takes a, a female. It takes them a long time to realize they've been doing dumb shit the whole fucking time. Come on. The whole... The whole time I was thinking, you know, like, especially when you guys point out that, you know, both of the young ladies have, you know, two loving parents that are really pleading to have relationships with with their children again. And when they revealed, you know, when Gail asked them directly, like, okay, well, what is your relationship? And they were like, well, we're both in a relationship. And I'm like, there is no way in the world as a 19, 18, 17 year old girl that you would imagine that's that's what you hope in for is to share a, a man with a woman. You know, coming from like a what seems like a loving home with two loving parents, you know, that you would come from that to want to to go to a space where you're sharing a nigga. And that's coming from somebody who, who never lived with their dad, right? <laughs> like who never had a dad in a household or nothing. So it's just like, what the hell? Like obviously R. Kelly doesn't really have a lot more money to support all of these women, like, nigga, you can't even, like, pay your child support. How are you going to support all these women? And if they're there to be taken care of, I mean, they ain't going to be there much longer if, if the money's going to run out. You know, are you going to take a nigga's bullshit and him beating you and him sexually assaulting you and he not paying your bills? Like, who would do that? So I'm interested that? to see, <laughs> right, like, it's one thing to, to have a nigga beat your ass and to belittle you and you know, make you think less of yourself. But if he's paying the bills, it's like it's more easier to accept. But you can't accept that shit if the nigga is broke or in jail. Like, ain't no, ain't nobody about to hold R. Kelly down in jail. I don't give a fuck how many bitches he got. Like, ain't nobody about to do that. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. I hope that they wake up soon, um, sooner than later. 
as previously stated, of course, we all, you know, sit back and reflect like, damn, I was so stupid. But, you know, a relationship with your parents, regardless of how good or bad it is, like, you only get one set of parents. And so you're destroying that relationship. Like, what would that, what would, how would Azriel feel if her dad died all of a sudden? What if he just had a heart attack? I mean, because this is stressful. I'm surprised none of their parents have died anyway. Um, just like being brokenhearted. That is really a thing, dying from a broken heart. We are talking about this theme of Daddy's Little Girls, and Ashley had the privilege of talking to a young man named Kyle from Detroit about some of the craziest things he's done to get the poom poom. And when I say poom poom, we talking about vagina. Yes, we say that word on this podcast, vagina. Don't be scared of it. They also were talking more in depth about um, the difference between women who had mothers and fathers in their lives and, and his and his experience dating them. So my name is Kyle Loverboy Mora, Detroit, Michigan. Are you single? I am in a relationship, but I'm not married. Okay. The power of P-U-S-S-Y. Oh, my goodness. The craziest thing that it's made me do, I actually hired my boy to sing for this young lady that I was, like, head over heels for, right? And I, like, set out this little ambiance, like, we're downtown, we're on the river, and I, like, bought us these little, like, cakes from Astoria. I get my buddy to come up, and he's singing Brian McKnight back to one, right? I don't even know why he chose that, because I didn't even give him a choice of ballad. I'm like, sing whatever you want to sing, right? It was so romantic. I thought she was so into it. Do you know it? I was dry. Like, I got absolutely nothing. <laughs> we were seeing each other for, I mean, it was getting close to, like, two weeks. I was trying to apply pressure for real, for real. And it didn't pu- it didn't bust any pipes, just put it that way. I felt like I was right in the thick of love. And, like, you know, there was nothing you could really tell me. And I felt like I could get any girl, but couldn't get that one. I've I've met and dated women who, like, um, did not have their father in their lives, but they were so career-driven. They were very much so on top of life and wanting a family for themselves uh, because Mm -hmm. that person was absent. Uh, I've dated women who, you know, had their fathers in their lives, and they really honored their father, and they were looking for someone, you know, who could, you know, match the man that they felt like was, you know, a big piece of their life. Um, But there's also some flip sides to it, too, because just because you grew up in a sheltered environment with, you know, either, you know, your father and mother both in the home, I don't think that really constitutes the kind of adult you're going to become. I feel like experience and circumstance can shape personality. Thank you so much. No worries. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye-bye. That interview was very, very interesting, especially since, you know, most of the time it's kind of like he really only knew that girl for a few weeks, and he kind of was trying really, really hard just to get some. I mean, singing for somebody, that's kind of crazy. But 
it's not the worst thing that I've ever heard what somebody has done just to get some. I mean, he didn't get none. Maybe he should have tried harder. But I've been in police situations where I know dudes that did some crazy stuff for the vagina. Let's just say I didn't fully benefit from it. Because I got three cars out of my vagina. So, I mean, when a dude really trying to get some stuff out of you, I mean, sometimes it takes a lot more effort and a lot more time. I mean, he waited two weeks and had a dude come sing. But, I mean, after, what, see, four months, I mean, I got me a car. So I would say the craziest dude thing I've ever had to do, do for me just for it, for that thing, for I guess you, you can call it, in the name of love, was, you know, buy me a car and then buy me another car and then the third car, um, all within the first year of having a relationship. The craziest thing that I did to make another man happy over my happiness was basically, I'm sweating, y'all. Um, you got me nervous. Go ahead. I know. <laughs> was... Um, Agree to have a threesome. And, um, that is something that I have vowed to never, ever, 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 ever do again in my life. Not ever. Because, you know, when you talk and you have conversations about it, you be like, and you want to sound like the down chick and you want to sound like, you know, you are really willing to be you know everything for somebody and you look back at it like nah it wasn't worth it what what, what about you Ashley so I think it's safe to say that we should probably block our moms from hearing this yes <laughs> explicit I'm, no mama yeah, no. no I'm just I'm literally gonna block my mother on the post yeah so I thought that that was interesting that he did all of that and he only known the girl for three weeks I'm like I don't care what you've done in three weeks. I'm not having sex with you. I don't know you, sir. So that's what I was trying to tell him. Like, that was not enough time. So if you do that for somebody you just wanted to have sex with, like, what would you do for somebody you actually love? And he didn't answer that. It makes me feel like he's gotten older and gotten lazy. So <laughs> the the craziest thing but I was getting my car insurance paid for a very long time. And I know that might not seem like a big deal to people, but if you do your research, Michigan has the highest amount of car insurance in the United States of America. And when you live in the inner city, it's way more. Like the average suburban might be paying $154 for full coverage and you'll be paying $350. Like, you'll be paying a car note and the car insurance. And the car insurance will be just as much as the car note. The craziest thing that I have done... So, some people might consider this kind of gross, but now, as a, a full adult, I don't feel like it's gross. But, like, this guy that I was dating basically coerced me to have sex with him while I was on my cycle. And it was uncomfortable for me, but it was just like... Yeah, I'm doing it because you won't shut the fuck up about it. But yeah, that was that was the extent um, for me. What about you, April? I don't know. I guess when I think back, like so, when I was about eighteen or nineteen, um, you know, this is I want to say two thousand three, two thousand four, that era. 
and you know we used to go to the clubs a lot and so me and my friend would go to this one club I forget what the name of the club was but it had a spinning dance floor that was like something really distinct about it right and and I'm the kind of person where I can't dance very good but I like to dance and so we go to this um this uh club and they keep announcing over the loudspeaker that some guy from Penn State is there. I guess he's some kind of football player. I didn't know who the nigga was, but I'm dancing. I'm in my zone, you know, and so um, at the end of the night, the gentleman approaches me, um, and he asked me for my um, phone number, and I wasn't really the guy or the guy, the girl that all the guys was trying to get with. Like, I had one boyfriend through high school. So to have this, like, guy who everybody in this bar, this club are like, oh, my God. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but he's from Rochester. He actually ended up being drafted, but I don't think he played football very long. So anyway, um, we changed numbers and... I was like, like I said, 18 or 19. I was still living at my mom's house. This is before like everybody had a cell phone, right? Like certain people had cell phones, but not, but if you didn't have one, it wasn't like you was left out. So, and I swear all that weekend, I waited by the phone for this dude to call me and he never did, right? For some reason, I got his phone number. I mean, they had his whole shit all up on there. His phone number, his address, everything. So I ended up calling him and he was like, how did you get this number? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I have ways. And he swore, like, his cousin gave me his number. But, no, I, like, super stalked him. <laughs> so I guess that's the craziest thing I've done was, like, low-key, like, well, maybe high-key stalk the guy, right? But I ended up, like, like, he wasn't really tripping about me you know, calling him kind of anonymously or whatever. Um, ended up, like, driving out to Penn State to, like, go see him. And with a group of my friends, like, rented a hotel and everything, right? Get out there. We meet him, like, the first day. Because he invited us out there, by the way. He's like, oh, you guys should come. I guess it was, like, um, I don't know if it was, like, homecoming. But they were having, like, this open season for, like, their football team and everybody would come out for that weekend his family was coming so we like met him like that first night we got there and then we went to his game that day and in the evening time we were supposed to like all meet up to go out now at the time I was like 18 19 he was 21 so he was able to get into like the bars right this nigga basically like ghosted us like he was like well me and my friends about to go here, but I heard it was a party over there. And, like, totally, like, we went to this random-ass party on his college campus, didn't know nobody, and then drove back home. It was, like, the most awkward shit ever. And spent time and money to try to, like, get to know a nigga that really didn't give a fuck about me. So I guess that's the craziest thing I've ever done. Never, ever happened again and never would either. You make me feel dirty, April. <laughs> oh god Icky, I'm no. sitting over here like dang so that was it huh <laughs> alright ladies well I think we have wrapped this up nicely I hope our listeners um, 
received some pertinent information and some different outlooks on how and why they view relationships and situationships the way that they do. I would like to thank Joe Ruiz, which is one of our supporters, before we go for supporting us. It is greatly appreciated. And if you thank like you, Joe. Be, <laughs> if you'd like to be that's okay. If you'd like to be one of our supporters, um, please click on the link in the description box that is located on all the podcast platforms that Kisses and Conversation airs on. Until next time, this is Ashley Ray saying smooches. And this is Debrina saying smooches. <laughs> and this is April. Smooches and goodbye. All right, y'all. See y'all. See y'all. Until next time. Music for this podcast has been provided by Makai Beats on the intro, Drake Stafford on the outro, and Vincent Augustus on the underlay. If you guys want to check out this music, you can find these guys on Instagram. And also check out our information page on where you can find the license and where you can find these artists on freemusicarchives.org.